measure for measure. Aeschylus, my lord, Duke Vincentio. I say, bid, come before us, Angelo. What figure of us think you he will bear? For you must know we have his special soul elected him our absence to supply, lent him our terror, dressed him with our love, and given his deputation all the organs of our power. What think you of it? If any in Vienna be of worth to undergo such ample grace and honor, it is Lord Angelo. Look where he comes. Always obedient to your grace as well. I come to know your pleasure. Angelo, there is a kind of character in thy life that to the observer doth thy history fully unfold. For if your virtues did not go forth, were all alike as if we had them not. Hold therefore, Angelo, and our remove be thou at full ourself. Mortality and mercy in Vienna live in thy tongue and heart. Old Aeschylus, though first in question, is thy secondary. Take thy commission. Now, good my lord, let there be some more tests made of my metal, before so noble and so great a figure be stamped upon it. No more evasion. We have with a leavened and prepared choice proceeded to you. Therefore, take your honors. Our haste from hence is of so quick condition that it prefers itself and leaves unquestioned matters of needful value. We shall write to you. So, fare you well. To the hopeful execution do I leave you. Yet give leave, my lord, that we may bring you something on the way. My haste may not admit it. Your scope is as mine own, so to enforce or qualify the laws. Give me your hand. Once more, fare you well. The heavens give safety to your purposes. Lead forth and bring you back in happiness. I thank you. Fare you well. father. Throw away that thought, why I desire thee to give me secret harbor hath a purpose, more grave and wrinkled than the aims and ends of burning youth. May your grace speak of it? I have delivered to Lord Angelo, a man of stricture and firm abstinence, my absolute power and place here in Vienna, and he supposes me traveled to Poland, for so I have strewed it in the common ear, and so it is received now, pious sir, you will demand of me why I do this. Gladly, my lord. We have strict statutes and most biting laws, the needful bits and curbs to headstrong weeds, which for this nineteen years we have let slip, even like an overgrown lion in a cave that goes not out to prey. Now, as fond fathers, having bound up the threatening twigs of birch, 
only to stick it in their children's sight for terror not to use. In time, the rod becomes more mocked than feared. So our decrees dead to infliction to themselves are dead. And liberty plucks justice by the nose. The baby beats the nurse and quite a twirt goes all decorum. It rested in your grace to unloose this tied-up justice when you pleased, and in it you more dreadful would have seemed than in Lord Angelo. I do fear too dreadful. Since t'was my fault to give the people scope, would be my tyranny to strike and gall them for what I bid them do. Therefore, indeed, my father, I have an Angelo imposed the office, who may in the ambush of my name strike home, and yet my nature never in the fight. I will as twere a brother of your order, visit both prince and people. Therefore, I prithee, supply me with the habit and instruct me how I may formally in person bear me like a true friar. All reasons for this action at a more leisure shall I render you. Only this one, Lord Angelo is precise, stands at a guard with envy, scarce confess that his blood flows or that his appetite is more to bread than stone. Hence shall we see, if power change purpose, what our seamers be. <laughs> behold, behold, when Madam Mitigation comes, I have purchased as many diseases under her roof. How now? <laughs> Which of your hips has the most profound sciatica? Well, there's one yonder arrested and carried to prison was worth 5,000 of you all. Who's that? I, I, I pray thee. Marry, sir, that's Claudio, Signor Claudio. Claudio to prison? Tis not so. Uh, nay, but I know tis so. I saw him arrested, saw him carried away, and which is more, within these three days, his head to be chopped off. But after all this fooling, I would not have it so. Uh, art thou sure of this? I am too sure of it. And it is forgetting Madame Julieta with child. Oh, believe me, this may be. He promised to meet me two hours since. And he was ever precise in promise keeping. Besides, you know, it draws something near to the speech we had to such a purpose. Away, let's go learn of the truth. Oh, thus, what with the war, what with the sweat, what with the gallows, and what with poverty, I am custom shrunk. Oh, how now? What's the news with you, Pompey? Yonder man is carried to prison. Well, what has he done? A woman. But, but what's his offense? Groping for trouts in a peculiar river. What? Is there a maid with child by him? No, but there's a woman with maid by him. You have not heard of the proclamation, have you? What proclamation, man? All houses in the suburbs of Vienna must be plucked down. Uh, and what shall become of those in the city? They shall stand for seed. They had gone down too, but that a wise burger put in for them. But shall all our houses of resort in the suburbs be pulled down? To the ground, mistress. Why, here's a change indeed in the Commonwealth. What shall become of me? Come, fear you not. Good counselors like no clients. Though you change your place, you need not change your trade. I'll be your tapster still. Courage, there will be pity taken on you. You that have worn your eyes almost out of the service, you will be considered. What's to do here, Thomas Tapster? Let's withdraw. 
Here comes Senor Claudio, led by the provost to prison. Provost, why dost thou show me thus to the world? Bear me to prison where I am committed. I do it not in evil disposition, but for Morangelo by special charge. Thus can the demigod authority make us pay down for our offense by weight the words of heaven. On whom it will, it will. On whom it will not, so yet still tis just. Why, how now, Claudio? Whence comes this restraint? From too much liberty, my Lucio. Liberty. A surfeit is the father of much fast, so every scope by the immoderate use turns to restraint. Our natures do pursue like rats that raven down their proper bane, a thirsty evil, and when we drink, we die. If could speak so wisely under an arrest, I would send for certain of my creditors. And yet, to say the truth, I had as lief have the foppery of freedom as the morality of imprisonment. What's thy offense, Claudio? What but to speak of would offend again. What, is it, is it murder? No. Lechery. Call it so. Away, sir, you must go. One word, good friend Lucio, a word with you. A hundred if they'll do you any good. Is lechery so looked after? Thus stands it with me. Upon a true contract, I got possession of Julietta's bed. You know the lady. She is fast my wife. Save that we do the denunciation lack of outward order, we thought it meet to hide our love till time had made them for us. But it chances the stealth of our most mutual entertainment with character too gross is writ on Juliet. With child, perhaps? Unhappily, even so. And the new deputy, now for the duke, he can command, lets it straight feel the spur, whether the tyranny be in his place or in the eminence that fills it up. I stagger in. But this new governor awakes me all the enrolled penalties which have, like unscoured armor, hung by the wall so long that nineteen zodiacs have gone round and none of them been worn. And for a name now puts the drowsy and neglected act freshly on me. Tis surely for a name. Oh, I warrant it is. And thy head stands so tickle on thy shoulders that the milkmaid, if she be in love, may sigh it off. Send after the duke and appeal to him. I have done so, but he's not to be found. I prithee, Lucio, do me this kind service. This day, my sister, should the cloister enter and there receive her approbation, acquaint her with the danger of my state, implore her in my voice that she make friends to the strict deputy, bid herself say him, I have great hope in that, for in her youth there is a prone and speechless dialect such as move men. Besides, she hath prosperous art when she will play with reason and discourse, and well she can persuade. I pray she may, as well for the encouragement of the like, which else would stand under grievous imposition, as for the enjoying of thy life, who I would be sorry should be thus foolishly lost at a game of tic-tac. I'll to her. Thank you, good Lucio. Within two hours. Come, officer, away.
Sister Francesca, have you nuns no farther privileges? Maid Isabella, are not these large enough? Yes, truly. I speak not as desiring more, but rather wishing a more strict restraint upon the sisterhood, the votarist of St. Clair. Oh! Peace be in this place. Who's that which calls? It's the man's voice. Gentle Isabella, turn you the key and know his business of him. You may, I may not. You are yet unsworn. When you have vowed, you must not speak with men, but in the presence of the prioress. Then if you speak, you must not show your face. Or if you show your face, you must not speak. He calls again, I pray you, answer him. Peace and prosperity, who is that calls? Lucio. Hail, virgin, if you be as those cheek roses proclaim you are no less. Can you so stead me as bring me to the sight of Isabella, a novice of this place and the fair sister to her unhappy brother Claudio? Why her unhappy brother, let me ask, the rather for I now must make you know I am that Isabella and his sister. Oh, gentle and fair, your brother kindly greets you. Uh, not, not to be wary with you. He's in prison. Well, me? For what? For that which, if myself might be his judge, he should receive his punishment in thanks. He hath got his friend with child. Sir, make me not your story. It is true. I would not, though tis my familiar sin with maids to seem the lapwing and to jest. Tongue far from heart. Play with all virgins so. I hold you as a thing inskeet and sainted by your renouncement and immortal spirit, and to be talked with insincerity, as with a saint. You do blaspheme the good in mocking me. Do not believe it. Fewness and truth tis thus. Your brother and his lover have embraced, as those that feed grow full as blossoming time that from the seedness the bare fallow brings to teeming poison. Even so, her plenteous womb expresses his full tilth in husbandry. Someone with child by him. My cousin Juliet. Is she your cousin? Adoptedly. Her schoolmates change their names by vain, though apt affection. She it is. Oh, let him marry her. Ah, this is the point. The Duke is very strangely gone from hence. Upon his place, and with full line of authority, governs Lord Angelo. A man whose blood is very snow broth. One who never feels the wanton stings and motions of the sense, but doth rebate and blunt his natural edge with profits of the mind. Study and fast. He hath picked out an act, under whose heavy sense your brother's life now falls into forfeit. He arrests him on it, and follows close the rigor of the statute to make him an example all hope is gone, unless you have the grace by your fair prayer to soften Angela. And that's my pith of business twixt you and your poor brother. Doth he so seek his life? Has censured him already. And as I hear, the provost hath a warrant for his execution. Alas, what poor abilities in me to do him good? Save the power you have. My power? Alas, I doubt- Our doubts are traitors. 
and make us lose the good we oft might win by daring to attempt. Go to Lord Angelo and let him learn to know when maidens sue, men give like gods. But when they weep and kneel, all their petitions are as freely theirs as they themselves would owe them. I'll see what I can do. But speedily. I will about it straight. No longer staying but to give the mother notice of my affair. I humbly thank you. Commend me to my brother soon at night. I'll send him certain word of my success. I take my leave of you. Good sir, adieu. Aeschylus, we must not make a scarecrow of the law, setting it up to fear the birds of prey and let it keep one shape till custom make it their perch and not their terror? Aye, Lord Angelo, but yet let us be keen and rather cut a little than fall and bruise to death. This gentleman whom I would save had a most noble father. Let but your honor know whom I believe to be most straight in virtue whether you had not some time in your life erred in this point, which now you censure him and pulled the law upon you. Tis one thing to be tempted, Aeschylus, another thing to fall. I not deny the jury passing on this prisoner's life may in the sworn twelve have a thief or two, guiltier than him they try. You may not so extenuate his offense, for I have had such faults, but rather tell me, when I that censure him do so offend, let mine own judgment pattern out my death and nothing come impartial. Sir, he must die. Be it as your wisdom will. Where is the provost? Here, if it like your honor. See that Claudio be executed by nine tomorrow morning. Bring him his confessor. Let him be prepared, for that's the utmost of his pilgrimage. Here's another, Pompey. Come you hither to me, Master Tapster. What's your name? Uh, Pompey. What else? Bum, sir. Troth, and your bum is the greatest thing about you. So that in the beastliest sense, you are Pompey the Great. Pompey, you are partly a bawd. Pompey, howsoever you color it in being a tapster, are you not? Tell me true. It shall be the better for you. Truly, sir. I am a poor fellow that would live. How would you live, Pompey? By being a bawd? What do you think of the trade, Pompey? Is it a lawful trade? If the law would allow it, sir. But the law will not allow it. Pompey, it shall not be allowed in Vienna. Does your worship mean to gild and splay all the youth of the city? No, Pompey. Truly, sir, my poor opinion, they will do it then. There are pretty orders beginning, I can tell you. It is but heading and hanging. If you head and hang on that offend that way, but for ten year together, you'll be glad to give out a commission for more heads. If this law hold in Vienna ten year, I'll rent the fairest house in it after three pence a day. If you live to see this come to pass, say Pompey told you so. Thank you, good Pompey. And in requital of your prophecy, hark you, I advise you, let me not find you before me again upon any complaint whatsoever. No, not for dwelling where you do. If I do, Pompey, I shall beat you to your tent and prove a shrewd Caesar to you. In plain dealing, Pompey, I shall have you whipped. So for this time, Pompey, fare you well. 
I thank your worship for your good counsel. But I shall follow it as flesh and fortune shall better determine. Whip me? No, no, let Carmen whip his jade. The valiant heart is not whipped out of his trade. Now, what's the matter, Provost? Is it your will Claudio shall die tomorrow? Did not I tell thee, yea? Hadst thou not order? Why dost thou ask again? Lest I might be too rash, under your good correction, I have seen when, after execution, judgment hath repented o'er his doom. Go to. Let that be mine. Do you your office, or give up your place, and you shall well be spared. I crave your honor's pardon. What shall be done, sir, with the groaning Juliet? She's the very near her hour. Dispose of her. To some more fitter place, and that with speed. Here is the sister of the man condemned, desires access to you. Hath he a sister? I, my good lord, a very virtuous maid, and to be shortly of a sisterhood, if not already. Ah, uh, well... Let her be admitted. See the fornicatures be removed. Let have needful but not lavish means. There shall be order for it. What's your will? I am a woeful suitor to your honor. Please but your honor hear me. And you? Lucio. Well, what's your suit? There is a vice that most I do abhor. And most desire should meet the blow of justice. For which I would not plead, but that I must. For which I must not plead, but that I am at war twixt will and will not. Well, the matter? I have a brother is condemned to die. I do beseech you, let it be his fault and not my brother. Heaven give thee moving graces. Condemn the fault and not the actor of it. Why? Every fault's condemned ere to be done. Mine were the very cipher of a function to find the faults whose fine stands in record and let go by the actor. Oh, just but severe law. I had a brother then. Heaven keep your honor. Give not over so. To him again, entreat him. Kneel down before him, hang upon his gown. You are too cold. If you should need a pen, you could not with more a tame tongue desire it. To him, I say. Must he needs die? Maiden, no remedy. Yes. I do think that you might pardon him, and neither heaven nor man grieve at the mercy. I will not do it. But can you, if you would? Look what I will not, that I cannot do. But might you do it, and do the world no wrong? If so, your heart were touched with that remorse as mine is to him. He's sentenced. Tis too late. You are too cold. Too late? Why, no. I, that do speak a word, may call it back again. Well, believe this. 
No ceremony that to great ones longs. Not the king's crown, nor the deputed sword, the marshal's truncheon, nor the judge's robe. Become them with one half so good as grace as mercy does. If he had been as you, and you as he, you would have slipped like him. But he, like you, would not have been so stern. Pray you, be gone. I would to heaven I had your potency, and you were Isabel. Should it then be thus? No, I would tell what were to be a judge and what a prisoner. Ay, touch him. There's the vein. Your brother is a forfeit of the law. And you but waste your words. Alas, alas! Why, all the souls that were, were forfeit once. And he that might the vantage best have took found out the remedy. How would you be, if he, which is the top of judgment, should but judge you as you are? Oh, think on that, and mercy then will breathe within your lips like man new made. Be you content. Fair maid, it is the law, not I, that condemn your brother. Were he my kinsman, brother or my son, it would be thus with him. He must die tomorrow. Tomorrow? Oh, that sudden. Spare him, spare him. He's not prepared for death. Even for our kitchens we kill the fowl of season. Shall we serve heaven with less respect than we do minister to our gross selves? Could, could, my lord, bethink you. Who is it that hath died for this offense? There's many have committed it. Aye, well said. The law hath not been dead, though it hath slept. Those many had not dared to do that evil, if the first that did the edict infringe had answered for his deed. Yet show some pity. I show it most of all when I show justice, for then I pity those I do not know, which a dismissed offense would after gall and do him right that, answering one foul wrong, lives not to act another. Be satisfied. Your brother dies tomorrow. Be content. So you must be the first that gives his sentence, and he that suffers. Oh. It is excellent to have a giant's strength, but it is tyrannous to use it like a giant. That is well said. Could great men thunder as Jove himself does? Jove would ne'er be quiet, for every pelting petty officer would use his heaven for thunder. Nothing but thunder. Merciful heaven, thou rather with thy sharp and sulfurous bolt splits the unwedgeable and gnarled oak than the soft myrtle. But man, proud man, dressed in a little brief authority, most ignorant of what he's most assured, his glassy essence, like an angry ape, plays such fantastic tricks before high heaven as makes the angels weep, who with our spleens would all themselves laugh mortal. Oh, to him, to him, wench, he will relent. He's coming. I perceive it. Why do you put these sayings upon me? Because authority, though it air like others, hath yet a kind of medicine in itself that skins the vice of the top. 
go to your bosom. Knock there. And ask your heart what it doth know that's like my brother's fault. If it confess a natural guiltiness such as his, let it not sound a thought upon your tongue against my brother's life. She speaks, and tis such sense that my sense breeds with it. Fare you well. Gentle, my lord, turn back. I will bethink me. Come again tomorrow. Hark how I'll bribe you, good my lord, turn back. How? Bribe me? I, with such gifts that heaven shall share with you. Oh, you had marred all else. Not with fond shekels of the tested gold, or stones whose rates are either rich or poor as fancy values them, but with true prayers that shall be up at heaven and enter there ere sunrise. Prayers from preserved souls, from fasting maids, whose minds are dedicated to nothing temporal. Well, come to me tomorrow. Go to. Tis well. Away. Heaven keep your honor safe. Amen, for I am that way going to temptation where prayers cross. At what hour tomorrow shall I attend your lordship? At any time for noon. Save your honor. <sighs> from thee, even from thy virtue. What's this? What's this? Is this her fault or mine? The tempter, the tempted, who sins most? Ha! Ah, not she, nor does she tempt, but it is I that, lying by the violin in the sun, do as the carrion does, not as the flower, corrupt with virtuous season. Can it be that modesty may more betray our sense than a woman's lightness? And having waste ground enough, shall we desire to raise the sanctuary and pitch our evils there? Oh, fie, fie, fie! What dost thou, or what art thou, Angelo? Dost thou desire her foully for those things that make her good? Oh, let her brother live. Thieves for their robbery have authority when judges steal themselves. What? Do I love her? That I desire to speak with her again and feast upon her eyes? What is it I dream on? Oh, cunning enemy, that to catch a saint with saints dost bait thy hook. Most dangerous is that temptation that doth goad us on to sin and loving virtue. Never could the strumpet with all our double vigor, art and nature, once stir my temper, but this virtuous maid subdues me quite. Even till now, when men were fond, I smiled and wondered how. Hail to you, provosts of the prison. 
So I think you are. I am the provost of the prison. What's your will, good friar? I come to visit the afflicted spirits here in the prison. Do me the common right to let me see them and to make me know the nature of their crimes, that I may minister to them accordingly. I would do more than that if more were needful. Look, here comes one, a gentlewoman of mine, who, falling in the flaws of her own youth, hath blistered her report. She is with child. And he that got it sentenced, a young man more fit to do another such offense than die for this. When must he die? As I do think tomorrow, I have provided for you. Stay a while. Repent you, fair one, of the sin you carry. I do, and bear the shame most patiently. I'll teach you how you shall arraign your conscience and try your penitence, if it be sound or hollowly put on. I'll gladly learn. Love you the man that wronged you? Yes, as I love the woman that wronged him. So then it seems your most offenseful act was mutually committed. Mutually. Then was your sin of heavier kind than his? I, I do confess it and repent it, Father. Tis meet, so daughter. I do repent me as it is an evil and take the shame with joy. The arrest your partner, as I hear, must die tomorrow. <sighs> Grace, go with you, Benedicte. Must die tomorrow? Oh, <sighs> injurious love that respites me a life whose very comfort is still a dying horror. Tis pity of him. When I would pray and think, I think and pray to several subjects. Heaven hath my empty words, while my invention, hearing not my tongue, anchors on... Isabel, O oh place, O oh form, how often dost thou with thy case, thy habit wrench off from fools and tie the wisest souls to thy false seeming? Blood, thou art blood, let's write good angel on the devil's horn, tis not the devil's crest. How now, who's there? Oh heavens. Why does my blood thus muster to my heart, making it both unable for itself and dispossessing all my other parts of necessary fitness? How now, fair maid? I am come to know your pleasure, Lord Angelo. <laughs> that you might know it would much better please me than to demand what tis. Your brother cannot live. Even so... 
Heaven keep your honor. Yet may he live a while, and it may be as long as you or I. Yet he must die. Under your sentence? Yea. When, I beseech you, that in his reprieve, longer or shorter, he may be so fitted that his soul sicken not. Ha! <laughs> Fie these filthy vices. Tis all as easy falsely to take away a life true made as to put metal in restrained means to make a false one. Tis set down so in heaven, but not in earth. Say you so? Then I shall pose you quickly. Which had you rather? That the most just law now took your brother's life. Or, to redeem him, give up your body to such sweet uncleanness as she that he hath stained. Sir, believe this. I had rather give my body than my soul. I talk not of your soul. Our compelled sins stand more for number than our compt. How say you? Nay, I'll not warn that, for I can speak against the thing I say. Answer to this. I, now the voice of the recorded law, pronounce a sentence on your brother's life. Might there not be a charity in sin to save this brother's life? Please you to do it. I'll take it as a peril to my soul. It is no sin at all, but charity. Please you to do it at peril of your soul, where equal poise of sin and charity. That I do beg his life. If it be sin, heaven let me bear it. You granting of my suit, if that be sin, I'll make it my mourn prayer to have it added to the faults of mine and nothing of your answer. Nay, but hear me. <laughs> your sense pursues not mine. Either you are ignorant or seem so craftily, and that's not good. Let me be ignorant and in nothing good, but graciously to know I am no better. Mark me to be received plain. I'll speak more gross. Your brother is to die. So? And his offense is so, as it appears, accounting to the law upon that pain. True. Admit no other way to save his life, as I subscribe not that nor any other, but in the loss of question that you, his sister, finding yourself desired of such a person whose credit with the judge or own great place could fetch your brother from the manacles of the all-building law, and that there were no earthly means to save him, but that either you must lay down the treasures of your body to this supposed, or else to let him suffer. What would you do? As much for my poor brother as myself. That is... Were I under the terms of death, the impression of keen whips I'd wear as rubies and strip myself to death, as to a bed that longing have been sick for, ere I'll yield my body up to shame. Then must your brother die. And were the cheaper way. Better it were a brother died at once, than that a sister by redeeming him should die forever. Were not you then as cruel as a sentence that you have slandered so? Ignomy and ransom and free pardon are, are of two houses. Lawful mercy is nothing kin to foul redemption. You seemed of late to make the law a tyrant, and rather proving the sliding of your brother a merriment than a vice. Oh, 
Pardon me, my lord, it oft falls out. To have what we would have, we speak not what we mean. I something to excuse the thing I hate for his advantage that I dearly love. We are all frail. Else let my brother die. If not a fedri, but only he owe and succeed thy weakness. Nay, women are frail too. I, as the glasses where they view themselves, which were as easy broke as they make forms. Women help heaven. Men their creation mar in profiting by them. Nay, call us ten times frail, for we are soft as our complexions are, and credulous to false prince. I think it well. And from this testimony of your own sex, since I suppose we are made to be no stronger than faults may shake our frames, let me be bold. I do arrest your words. You are, that is, a woman. If you be more, you're none. If you be one, you are as well expressed by all external warrants. Show it now by putting on the destined livery. I have no tongue but one. Gentle, my lord, let me entreat you, speak the former language. Plainly conceive. I love you. My brother did love Juliet, and you tell me that he shall die for it. He shall not, Isabel, if you give me love. I know your virtue hath a license in it, which seems a little fouler than it is to pluck on others. Believe me, on mine honor, my words express my purpose. Ha! Little honor to be much believed, and most pernicious purpose. Seeming, seeming, I will proclaim thee, Angelo, look for it. Sign me a present pardon for my brother, or with an outstretched throat I'll tell the world aloud what man thou art. <laughs> Who will believe thee, Isabel? My unsoiled name, the austereness of my life, my vouch against you and my place in the state? Will so your accusation overweigh that you shall stifle in your own report and smell of calumny? I have begun, and now I give my sensual race to reign. Fit thy consent to my sharp appetite. Redeem thy brother by yielding up thy body to my will, or else he must not only die the death, but thy unkindness shall his death draw out to lingering sufferance. Answer me tomorrow, or by the affection that now guides me most, I'll prove a tyrant to him. As for you, say what you can. My false overweighs your true. should I complain? Did I tell this? Who would believe me? Oh, perilous mouths that bear in them one and the selfsame tongue, either of condemnation or of proof, bidding the law make curtsy to their will, hooking both right and wrong to the appetite to follow as it draws. I'll to my brother. Though he hath fallen by prompture of the blood, 
Yet hath he in him such a mind of honor that had he twenty heads to tender down on twenty bloody blocks, he'll yield them up before his sister should her body stoop to such abhorred pollution. And Isabel lived chaste. And brother died. More than our brother is our chastity. I'll tell him yet of Angelo's request and bid his mind to death for his soul's rest. The prisoner is here, Friar. Claudio's son. So then you hope of pardon from Lord Angelo. The miserable have no other medicine but only hope. I've hoped to live and am prepared to die. Be absolute for death. Either death or life shall thereby be the sweeter. Even thus with life. If I do lose thee, I do lose a thing that none but fools would keep. A breath thou art, servile to all the airy influences that dust this habitation where thou keepest hourly afflict. Merely thou art death's fool. For him thou labors by thy flight to shun, and yet runs towards him still. Thou art not thyself, for thou exists on many a thousand grains that issue out of dust. Happy that art not. For what thou hast not, still thou strivest to get, and what thou hast, forgetst. Thou art not certain, for thy complexion shifts to strange effects after the moon. If thou art rich, thou art poor, for like an ass whose back with ingots bows, thou bears thy heavy riches but a journey, and doth unload thee. What's yet in this that bears the name of life. Yet in this life lie hid more thousand deaths. Yet death we fear that makes these odds all even. I humbly thank you. To sue to live, I find I seek to die. And seeking death, find life. Let it come on. Dear sir, ere long I'll visit you again. Most holy sir, I thank you. What ho? Peace here, grace in good company. Who's there? Come in. The wish deserves a welcome. My business is a word or two with Claudio. And very welcome. Look, senor, here's your sister. Provost, a word with you. As many as you please. Bring me to hear them speak where I may be concealed. Now, sister, what's the comfort? Why, as all comforts are, most good, most good indeed. Lord Angelo, having affairs to heaven, 
intends you for his swift ambassador, where you shall be an everlasting liger. Therefore, your best appointment make with speed. Tomorrow you set on. Is there no remedy? None. But such remedy as to save a head to cleave a heart in twain. But is there any? Yes, brother. You may live. There is a devilish mercy in the judge, if you'll implore it, that will free your life, but fetter you till death. Perpetual durance. Ay, just perpetual durance. A restraint, though all the world's vastidity you had to a determined scope. But in what nature? In such a one as you consenting to it would bark your honor from that trunk you bear and leave you naked. Let me know the point. Oh, I do fear thee, Claudio. And I quake lest thou a feverous life shouldst entertain and six or seven winters more respect than a perpetual honor. Terrest thou die. The sense of death is most in apprehension, and the poor beetle that we tread upon in corporal sufferance finds a pang as great as when a giant dies. Why give you me this shame? Think you I can a resolution fetch from flowerly tenderness? If I must die, I will encounter darkness as a bride, and hug it in mine arms. There spake my brother. There my father's grave did utter forth a voice. Yes, thou must die. Thou art too noble to conserve a life in base appliances. This outward sainted deputy, whose settled visage and deliberate word nips youth in the head, and follies doth a mew, as falcon doth the fowl, is yet a devil. His filth within being cast, he would appear a pond as deep as hell. The prenzy Angelo. Oh, tis the cunning livery of hell, the damnest body to invest in cover in frenzy guards. Dost thou think, Claudio, if I would yield him my virginity, thou mightst be freed? Oh, heavens! It cannot be. Yes. He would give it thee from this rank offence, so to offend him still. This night's the time that I should do what I abhor to name, or else thou diest tomorrow. Thou shalt not do it. Oh, were it but my life, I throw it down for your deliverance as frankly as a pin. Thanks, dear Isabel. Be ready, Claudio, for your death tomorrow. Yes. Has he affections in him that thus can make him bite the law by the nose when he would force it? Sure, it is no sin, or of the deadly seven it is the least. Which is the least? If it were damnable, why would he for the momentary trick be perturbably fined? Oh, Isabel! What says my brother? Death is a fearful thing. And shame at life a hateful. I but to die, and go we know not where, to lie in cold obstruction, and to rot. This 
sensible warm motion to become a kneaded clod, and the delighted spirit to bathe in fiery floods or to reside in thrilling region of thick-ribbed ice. To be imprisoned in the viewless winds and blown with restless violence round about the pendant world, or to be worse than worst of those that lawless and uncertain thought imagine howling. Tis too horrible. The weariest and most loathed worldly life that age, ache, penury, and imprisonment can lay on nature is a paradise to what we fear of death. Alas, alas! Sweet sister, let me live. What sin you do to save a brother's life, nature dispenses with the deed so far that it becomes a virtue. Oh, you beast! Oh, faithless coward! Oh, dishonest wretch! Wilt thou be made a man out of my vice? It's not a kind of incest to take life from thine own sister's shame. What should I think? Heaven shield my mother played my father fair for such a warped slip of wilderness ne'er issued from his blood. Take my defiance. Tie, perish. Might by my bending down reprieve thee from thy fate, it should proceed. I'll pray a thousand prayers for thy death, no word to save thee. Nay, hear me, Isabel. Oh, bye, bye, bye. Thy sin's not accidental, but a trade. Mercy to thee would prove itself a bod. Tis best thou diest quickly. Oh, hear me, Isabella. Not safe for word, young sister, but one word. What is your will? Some speech with you. The satisfaction I would require is likewise your own benefit. I have no superfluous leisure. My stay must be stolen out of other affairs. But I will attend you a while. Isabella, the hand that hath made you fair hath made you good. The assault that Angelo hath made to you, fortune hath conveyed to my understanding. How will you do to content this substitute and to save your brother? I am now going to resolve him. I had rather my brother die by the law than my son should be unlawfully born. But, oh, how much is the good duke deceived in Angelo? If ever he return and I can speak to him, I will open my lips in vain or discover his government. That shall not be much amiss. Therefore, fasten your ear on my advisings. Let me hear you speak farther. I have spirit to do anything that appears not foul in the truth of my spirit. Virtue is bold and goodness never fearful. Have you not heard speak of Mariana, the sister of Frederick, the great soldier who miscarried at sea? I have heard of the lady, and good words went with her name. She should this Angelo have married was affianced to her by oath and nuptials appointed. Her brother Frederick was wrecked at sea, having in that perished vessel the dowry of his sister. But mark how heavily this befell to the poor gentlewoman. 
There she lost a noble and renowned brother. With him, the portion and the sinew of her fortune, her marriage dowry, with both her combinant husband, this well-seeming Angelo. Can this be so? Did Angelo so leave her? Left her in her tears, and dried not one of them with his comfort, swallowed his vows whole, pretending in her discoveries of dishonor, in few bestowed her on her own lamentation, which she yet wears for his sake. And he, a marble to her tears, is washed with them, but relents not. What a merit were it in death to take this poor maid from the world. What corruption in this life that it will let this man live. But how out of this can she avail? It is a rupture that you may easily heal, and the cure of it not only saves your brother, but keeps you from dishonor in doing it. Show me how. This forenamed maid hath yet in her the continuance of her first affection. Go you to Angelo, answer his requiring with a plausible obedience, agree with his demand to the point, only refer yourself to this advantage. First, that your stay with him may not be long, that the time may have all shadow and silence in it, and the place answer to convenience. This being granted in course, and now follows all, we shall advise this wrong maid to steady up your appointment and go in your place. Here by this is your brother saved, your honor untainted, the poor Mariana advantaged, and the corrupt deputy scaled. What think you of it? The image of it gives me content already, and I trust it will grow to a most prosperous perfection. It lies much in your holding up. Haste you speedily to Angelo, if for this might he entreat you to his bed, give him promise of satisfaction. I will to St. Luke's, there at the moated grange reside this dejected Mariana, at that place Call upon me and dispatch with Angelo that it may be quickly. I thank you for this comfort. Fare you well, good father. How now, noble Pompey? Art going to prison, Pompey? Yes, faith, sir. Why, tis not amiss, Pompey. For debt, Pompey, or how? For being a bard. For being a bard. <laughs> then imprison him. If imprisonment be the due of a bard, why, tis his right. Bard is he doubtless and of antiquity too. Bard born. Farewell, good Pompey. I hope, sir, your good worship will be my bail. No, indeed will I not, Pompey. It is not the where. I will pray, Pompey, to increase your bondage. If you take it not patiently, why, your metal is the more. Adieu, trusty Pompey. Bless you, friar. What news, friar, of the duke? 
It was a mad fantastical trick of him to steal from the state and usurp the beggary he was never born to. Lord Angelo dukes it well in his absence. He puts transgression to it. He does well in it. A little more lenity to lechery would do no harm in him. Something too crabbed that way, friar. They say this Angelo was not made by man and woman after this downright way of creation. Why, what a ruthless thing is this in him for the rebellion of a codpiece to take away the life of a man. Would the duke that is absent have done this? Ere he would have hanged a man for the getting a hundred bastards. He would have paid for the nursing a thousand. He had some feeling of the sport. He knew the service, and that instructed him to mercy. I never heard the absent duke much detected for women. He was not inclined that way. <laughs> oh, sir, you are deceived. It is not possible. Who? Not the duke? Yes, your beggar of fifty. And his use was to put a ducat in her clack dish. He would be drunk, too. That let me inform you. You do him wrong, surely. Sir, I was an inward of his. A shy fellow was the duke. And I believe I know the cause of his withdrawing. What, I prithee, might be the cause? Tis a secret must be locked within the teeth and the lips. But this I can let you understand. The greater file of the subject held the duke to be wise. Wise? Why, no question, but he was. A very superficial, ignorant, unweighing fellow. Either this is the envy in you, folly, or mistaking. The very stream of his life and the business he hath helmed a scholar, a statesman, and a soldier. Therefore you speak unskillfully, or if your knowledge be more, it is much darkened in your malice. Sir... I know him, and I love him. Love talks with better knowledge, and knowledge with dearer love. Come, sir, I know what I know. I can hardly believe that, since you know not what you speak. But if ever the duke returned, as our prayers are he may, let me desire you to make your answers before him. And I pray you, your name? Sir, my name is Lucio, well known to the duke. He shall know you better, sir, if I may live to report you. <laughs> I fear you not. I'll be hanged first. <laughs> thou art deceived in me, friar. But no more of this. Canst thou tell if Claudio die tomorrow or no? Why should he die, sir? Why? For filling a bottle with a tundish. I would the duke we talk of were returned again. The ungentured agent will unpeople the province with continency. Sparrows must not build in his house eaves because they are lecherous. The duke yet would have dark deeds darkly answered. He would never bring them to light. Oh, would he were returned. Farewell, good friend. I prithee pray for me. The duke, I say to thee again, would eat mutton on Fridays. <laughs> Farewell. <laughs> So sweetly were forsworn, and those eyes, the break of day, lights that do mislead the morn. Oh, I cry you mercy, sir, 
and well could wish you had not found me here so musical. Tis good. The music off hath such a charm to make bad good and good provoke to harm. I pray you, your name. Mariana. Mariana, tell me, hath anybody inquired for me here today? Much upon this time have I promised here to meet. You have not been inquired after. I have sat here all day. I do constantly believe you. Oh, Isabella, Mariana, I shall crave your forbearance a little. Maybe I will call upon you anon for some advantage to yourself. I am always bound to you. Isabella, very well met and welcome. <laughs> what is news from this good deputy? He hath a garden circumured with prick, whose western side is with a vineyard backed, and to that vineyard is a planched gate that makes his opening with this bigger key. This other doth command a little tour, which from the vineyard to the garden leads. There I have made my promise upon the heavy middle of the night to call upon him. But shall you on your knowledge find this way? I have taken a due and wary note upon it, with whispering and most guilty diligence. In action all of precept he did show me the way twice or. <laughs> Are there no other tokens between you greed concerning her observance? No, none, but only a repair in the dark. And that I have possessed him my most day can be but brief. For I have made him know I have a servant comes with me along that stays upon me, whose persuasion is I come about my brother. Is well borne up. I have not made known to Mariana a word of this. Oh, Mariana, within come forth. Isabella, I pray you, be acquainted with this maid. She comes to do you good. I do desire the like. Do you persuade yourself that I respect you? Good friar, I know you do, and have found it. Take then this your companion by the hand, who hath a story ready for your ear, but make haste. The night approaches. Will please you walk aside? O place and greatness, millions of false eyes are stuck upon thee. Volumes of report run with these false and most contrarious quests upon thy doings. Thousands escape of wit, make thee the father of thy idle dreams, and rack thee in their fancies. Welcome. <laughs> She'll take the enterprise upon her father, if you advise it. It is not my consent, but my entreaty too. Little have you to say when you depart from him, but soft and low, remember now my brother. Fear me not. Nor, gentle daughter, fear you not at all. He is your husband on a pre-contract to bring you thus together tis no sin. Sith the justice of your title to him doth flourish the deceit. Come, let us go, our corns to reap, for yet our tithes to sow.
Come hither, Sirrah. Can you cut off the man's head? If the man be a bachelor, sir, I can. But if he be a married man, he's his wife's head. And I can never cut off a woman's head. Come, sir, leave me your snatches and yield me a direct answer. Tomorrow morning or to die, Claudio and Bernardine. Here is in our prison a common executioner who in his office lacks a helper. If you will take it on you to assist him, it shall redeem you from your jives. If not, you shall have your full time of imprisonment and your deliverance with an unpitied whipping, for you've been a notorious bawd. Sir, I have been an unlawful bawd, time out of mind. But yet I will be content to be a lawful hangman. I would be glad to receive some instruction from my fellow partner. What ho? A porson? Where's a porson there? Do you call, sir? Sirrah, here's a fellow will help you tomorrow in your execution. If you think it meet, compound with him by the year and let him abide here with you. If not, use him for the present and dismiss him. He cannot plead his estimation with you. He hath been aboard. Aboard, sir? A fire upon him. He will discredit our mystery. Go to, sir. You weigh equally. A feather will turn the scale. Pray, sir, by your good favor, for surely, sir, a good favor you have, but that you have a hanging look. Do you call, sir, your occupation a mystery? I, sir, a mystery. Painting, sir, I've heard say is a mystery. And your horse, sir, being members of my occupation, using painting to prove my occupation a mystery. But what mystery there should be in hanging if I should be hanged, I cannot imagine. Sir, it is a mystery. Proof? What is he that builds stronger than either the mason, the shipwright, or the carpenter? The gallows maker. For that frame outlives a thousand tenants. Are you agreed? Sir, I will serve him. For I do found to hang men is a more penitent trade than your bod. He doth oftener ask forgiveness. You, sirrah, provide your block and your axe tomorrow, four o'clock. Come on, board. I will instruct thee in my trade. Follow. I do desire to learn, sir, and I hope if you have occasion to use me for your own turn, you shall find me are. For truly, sir, for your kindness, I owe you a good turn. Call hither Barnardine and Claudio. The one has my pity, not a jot the other, being a murderer, though he were my brother. Look, here's the warrant, Claudio, for thy death. Tis now midnight, and by eight tomorrow... Thou must be made immortal. Where's Barnardine? As fast locked up in sleep as guiltless labor, when it lies starkly in the traveler's bones. He will not wake. Who can do good on him? Well, go, prepare yourself. What noise? Heaven give your spirits comfort. I hope it is some pardon or reprieve for the most gentle Claudio. Welcome, Father. The best and wholesomest spirits of the night envelop you, good provost. Who called here of late? None since the curfew rang. Not Isabel? No. They will then ere be long. What comfort is for Claudio? There's some in hope. It is a bitter deputy. 
Not so, not so. His life is paralleled even with the stroke and line of his great justice. Have you no counterman for Claudio yet? But he must die tomorrow. None, sir, none. As near the dawning, provost as it is, you shall hear more ere morning. Happily, you something know. Yet I believe there comes no counterman. No such example have we. Besides, upon the very siege of justice, Lord Angelo hath to the public ear professed the contrary. Sir, a messenger. This is his lordship's man. And here comes Claudio's pardon. The message says, My lord hath sent you this note. By me this charge, that you swerve not from the smallest article of it, neither in time, matter, or other circumstance. I shall obey him. Pray you, let's hear. Whatsoever you may hear to the contrary, that Claudio be executed by four of the clock, and in the afternoon Barnardine. For my better satisfaction, let me have Claudio's head sent me by five. Let this be duly performed with the thought that more depends on it than we must yet deliver. Thus fail not to do your office as you will answer it at your peril. What say you to this, sir? In the boldness of my cunning, I will lay myself in hazard. Claudio, whom here you have warranted to execute, is no greater forfeit to the law than Angelo, who hath sentenced him. To make you understand this in a manifested effect, I crave but four days' respite, for the which you are to do me both a present and a dangerous courtesy. Pray, sir, in what? In the delaying death. Alack, how may I do it, having the hour limited? and an express command under penalty to deliver its head in the view of Angelo? I may make my case as Claudio's to cross this in the smallest. I warrant you, if my instruction may be your guide, let this Arnadine be his morning executed, and his head borne to Angelo. Angelo has seen them both, and will discover the favor. Oh, death's a great disguiser, and you may add to it, Shave the head and tie the beard, and say it was the desire of the penitent to be so bared before his death. You know the course is common. If anything fall to you upon this, more than thanks and good fortune by the same whom I profess, I will plead against it with my life. Pardon me, good father, it is against my oath. Were you sworn to the duke or to the deputy? To him and to his substitutes. You will think you have made no offense if the Duke avouched the justice of your dealing? But what likelihood is in that? Not a resemblance, but a certainty. Yet since I see you fearful that neither my coat, integrity, nor persuasion can with ease attempt you, I will do further than I meant to pluck all fears out of you. Look you, sir, here is the hand and seal of the Duke. You know the character. I doubt not, and the signet is not strange to you. I know them both. The contents of this letter is the return of the Duke. 
you shall anon or read it at your pleasure, where you shall find within these two days he will be here. This is a thing that Angelo knows not, for he, this very day, receives letters of strange tenor, perchance of the Duke's death, perchance entering into some monastery, but by chance nothing of what is writ. Look, the unfolding star calls up the shepherd. Put not yourself into amazement how these things should be. All difficulties are but easy when they're known. Call your executioner and off with Barnardine's head. I will give him a present shrift and advise him for a better place. Yet you are amazed, but this shall absolutely resolve you. Come away, it is almost clear dawn. I am as well acquainted here in this prison as I was in our house of profession. One would think it were Mistress Overdon's own house. For here be many of her old customers. First, here's young Master Rash. He's in for a commodity of brown paper and old ginger. Nine score and seventeen pounds. Of which he made five marks ready money. Mary, then Ginger was not much in request, for the old women were all dead. Then is there one here, one master caper, at the suit of Master Threepaw the mercer, for some four suits of peach-colored satin, which now peaches him a beggar. Then here we have young Dizzy, and young Master Deepvow, and Master Copper Spur, and Master Star of Lackey, the Rapier and Dagger Man, and Young Drop Air, the Killed Lusty Pudding, and Master Fortlight, the Tilter, and Brave Master Shooty, the Great Traveler, and Wild Half Can that Stabbed Pots, and I think 40 more, all great doers in our trade and are now, for the Lord's sake. Now, sir, how do you find the prisoner Barnardine? A creature unprepared, unmeet for death, and to transport him in the mind he is were damnable. Here in the prison, father, there died this morning of a cruel fever, one Ragazine, a most notorious pirate, a man of Claudio's years, his beard and head just of his color. What if we do omit this reprobate till he were well inclined, and satisfy the deputy with the visage of Ragazine, more like to Claudio? Oh, tis an accident that heaven provides. Dispatch it presently. The hour draws on, prefixed by Angelo. See this be done, and sent according to command. This shall be done, good father, presently. But Barnardine must die this afternoon. And how shall we continue Claudio to save me from the danger that might come if he were known alive? Let this be done. Put them in secret holes, both Barnardine and Claudio, ere twice the sun hath made his journal greeting. To the undergeneration you shall find your safety manifested. I am your free dependent. Quick, 
Dispatch and send the head to Angelo. Here is the head. I'll carry it myself. Make a swift return, for I would commune with you of such things that want no ear but yours. I'll make all speed. Peace ho, be here. The tongue of Isabel, she's come to know if yet her brother's pardon come hither. But I will keep her ignorant of her good to make her heavenly comforts of despair when it is least expected. Oh, by your leave. Good morning to you, fair and gracious daughter. The better given me by so holy a man. Hath yet the deputy sent my brother's pardon? He hath released him, Isabel, from the world. His head is off and sent to Angelo. Nay, but it is not so. It is no other. Show your wisdom, daughter, in your close patience. Oh, I will to him and pluck out his eyes. You shall not be admitted to his sight. Unhappy Claudio, wretched Isabel, injurious world, most damned Angelo. <laughs> this nor hurts him, nor profits you a jot. Forbear it, therefore, give your cause to heaven. Mark what I say, which you shall find by every syllable of faithful verite. The duke comes home tomorrow. Nay, dry your eyes. One of our convent and his confessor gives me this instance. Already he hath carried notice to Aeschylus and Angelo. Would do prepare to meet him at the gates, there to give up their power. If you can, pace your wisdom in that good path that I would wish it go, and you shall have your bosom on this wretch. Grace of the Duke revenges to your heart and general honor. I am directed by you. This letter, then, to Friar Peter give, tis that he sent me of the Duke's return. Say by this token I desire his company at Mariana's house tonight. Her cause and yours, I'll perfect him withal, and he shall bring you before the Duke and to the head of Angelo. Accuse him home and home for my poor self. I am combined by a sacred vow and shall be absent. Command these fretting waters from your eyes with a light heart. Trust not my holy order if I pervert your course. Angelo, every letter he hath writ hath disfouched other. Aeschylus, in most uneven and distracted manner. His actions show much like to madness. Pray heaven his wisdom be not tainted. And why meet him at the gates and re-deliver our authorities there? 
And why should we proclaim it in an hour that if any crave redress of injustice, they should exhibit their petitions in the street? He shows his reason for that. To have a dispatch of complaints and to deliver us from devices hereafter, which shall then have no power to stand against us. Well, I beseech you, let it be proclaimed betimes in the morning. I'll call you at your house. Give notice to such men of sword and suit as are to meet him. I shall, sir. Fare you well. Good night. This deed unshapes me quite, makes me unpregnant and, and dull to all proceedings. A deflowered maid, and by an eminent body that enforced the law against it, but that her tender shame will not proclaim against her maiden loss how much she tongue me. Yet reasons dare her know. For my authority bears on a credent book that no particular scandal once can touch, but it confounds the breather. He should have lived, save that riotous youth with dangerous sense might in the times to come have taken revenge by so receiving a dishonored life with ransom of such shame. Would yet he had lived! Alack, when once our grace we have forgot, Nothing goes right. We would and we would not. My lord, Duke Vincencio. Friar Peter, these letters that fit time deliver me. The provost knows our purpose and our plot. The matter being afoot, keep your instruction and hold you ever to our special drift. Go call at Flavius' house and tell him where I stay. Give the like notice to Valentinius, Roland, and Crassius, and bid them bring the trumpets to the gate. It shall be speeded well. Mariana, to speak so indirectly I am loath. I would say the truth. But to accuse him so, that is your part. Yet I am advised to do it, he says, to baleful purpose. Be ruled by him. Besides, he tells me that if peradventure he speak against me on the adverse side, I should not think it strange, for tis a physic that's bitter to sweet end. Friar Peter. Oh, peace. Friar Peter is come. Come. I have found you out a stand most fit. Where you may add such vantage on the duke, he shall not pass you. Twice had the trumpet sounded. The generous and gravest citizens had hent the gates, and very near upon, the duke is entering. Therefore, hence, away! My very worthy cousin, fairly met. Our old and faithful friend, we are glad to see you. Happy return be to your royal grace. <sighs> Happy return be to your royal grace. Many and hearty thankings to you both. We have made inquiry of you, and we hear such goodness of your justice that our soul cannot but yield you forth to public thanks. <laughs> You make my bond still greater. 
Oh, your voice speaks loud, and I should wrong it to lock it in the wards of covert bosom when it deserves with characters of brass a forted residence against the tooth of time. Give me your hand, and let the subjects see to make them know favors they keep within. Justice, O royal duke. Failure, Ricardo, upon a wronged, I would fain have said a maid. O worthy prince, dishonor not your eye by throwing it on any other object till you have heard me in my true complaint and given me justice, 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 justice. Okay, relate your wrongs in what? By whom? Be brief. Here is Lord Angelo shall give you justice. Reveal yourself to him. O worthy duke, you bid me seek redemption of the devil. Hear me yourself. For that which I must speak must either punish me, not being believed, or wring redress from you. Hear me. Oh, hear me here. My lord, her wits, I fear me, are not firm. She hath been a suitor to me for her brother, cut off by course of justice. By course of justice? And she will speak most bitterly and strange. Most strange. But yet most truly will I speak. That Angelo's forsworn. Is it not strange? That Angelo's a murderer. It's not strange. That Angelo's an adulterous thief. An hypocrite. A virgin violator. Is it not strange and strange? Nay, it is ten times strange. It is not truer he is, Angelo, than this is all as true as it is strange. Nay, it is ten times true, for truth is truth to the end of reckoning. Away with her, poor soul. She speaks this in this infirmity of sense. Oh, prince, I conjure thee. As thou believest there is another comfort than this world, that thou neglect me not with that opinion that I am touched with madness. Make not impossible that which but seems unlike. Tis not impossible, but one. The wickedest caitiff on the ground may seem as shy, as grave, as just, as absolute as Angelo. Even so may Angelo in all his dressings, carracks, titles, forms, be an arch-villain. Believe it, royal prince. If he be less, he's nothing, but he's more, had I more name for badness. By mine honesty, is she be mad, as I believe no other? Her madness hath the oddest frame of sense, and such a dependency of thing on thing, as e'er I heard in madness. Oh, gracious Duke, harp not on that, nor do not banish reason for inequality. But let your reason serve to make the truth appear where it seems hid, and hide the false seems true. Many that are not mad have sure more lack of reason. What would you say? I am the sister of one Claudia, condemned upon the act of fornication to lose his head condemned by Angelo. I, in probation of a sisterhood, was sent to by my brother. One Lucio was then the messenger. That's I, and like your grace, I came to her from Claudio and desired her to try her gracious fortune with Lord Angelo for her poor brother's pardon. That's he indeed. 
you were not bid to speak. Oh, my good Lord, no wish to hold my peace. I wish you now then, I pray you, when you have a business for yourself, pray heaven you then be perfect. I warrant your honor. The warrants for yourself, take heed to it. This gentleman told someone of my tale. Right. Uh, it may be right, but you are wrong uh, to speak before your time. Proceed. I went to this pernicious caitiff deputy. That's somewhat madly spoken. Pardon it. The phrase is to the matter. Mended again the matter. Proceed. In brief, to set the needless process by... How I persuaded, how I prayed and kneeled, how he repelled me, and how I replied, for this was of much length. The vile conclusion I now begin with grief and shame to utter. He would not, but by gift of my chaste body to his concuscible, intemperate lust, release my brother. And... After much debatement, my sisterly remorse confutes mine honor, and I did yield to him. But the next morn betimes his purpose surfeiting, he sends a warrant for my poor brother's head. This is most likely? Oh, that it were as like as it is true. By heaven, found wretch, thou knowest not what thou speakest. First, his integrity stands without blemish. Next, it imports no reason that with such vehemency he should pursue faults proper to himself. If he had so offended, he would weigh thy brother by himself and not cut him off. Some one hath set you on. Confess the truth and say by whose advice thou camest here to complain. And this is all. Then... Oh, you blessed ministers above, keep me in patience. And with ripened time, unfold the evil which is here wrapped up in countenance. Heaven shield your grace from woe, as I thus wronged, hence unbelieved though. To prison with her, shall we thus permit a blasting and a scandalous breath to fall on him so near us? Who knew of your intent in coming hither? One that I would were here. Friar Lodderwick. A ghostly father be like? Uh, who knows that Lodderwick? My lord, I, I know him. <sighs> Tis a meddling friar. I, I do not like the man. Had he been lay, my lord, for certain words he spake against your grace in your retirement, I had swinged him soundly. Words against me. This is a good friar be like? And to sit on this wretched woman here against our substitute, let this friar be found. But yesternight, my lord, she and that friar, I, I saw them at the prison. A saucy friar, a very scurvy fellow. Blessed be your royal grace. I have stood by, my lord, and I have heard your royal ear abused. First hath this woman most wrongfully accused your substitute who is as free from touch or soil with her as she from one on God. We did believe no less. Know you that Friar Lodwick that she speaks of? I know him for a man divine and holy, not scurvy nor a temporary meddler as he's reported by this gentleman. And on my trust, a man that never yet did, as he vouches, misreport your grace. 
My lord, most villainously, believe it. Well, he in time may come to clear himself, but at this instant he is sick, my lord, of a strange fever. Upon his mere request, being come to knowledge that there was complaint intended against Lord Angelo, came I hither to speak as from his mouth. What he doth know is true and false, and what he with his oath and all probation will make up full clear whensoever he's convented. First, for this woman, to justify this worthy nobleman so vulgarly and personally accused, her shall you hear disproved to her eyes till she herself confess it. Good friar, let's hear it. Do you not smile at this, Lord Angelo? Oh, heaven, the vanity of wretched fools. Give us some seats. Come, cousin Angelo, in this I'll be impartial. Be you judge of your own cause. Is this the witness, friar? First, let her show her face and after speak. Pardon, my lord. I will not show my face until my husband bid me. What, are you married? No, my lord. Are you a maid? No, my lord. A widow, then? Neither, my lord. Why are you nothing, then? Neither maid, nor widow, nor wife? My lord, she may be a punk, for many of them are neither maid, widow, nor wife. Silence that fellow. I would he had some cause to prattle for himself. Well, my lord. My lord, I do confess I ne'er was married, and I confess, besides, I am no maid. I have known my husband, yet my husband knows not that ever he knew me. He was drunk then, my lord. It can be no better. For the benefit of silence, would thou wert so too? Well, my lord. Oh, this is no witness for the Lord, Angelo. Now I come to it, my lord. She that accuses him of fornication in self-same manner doth accuse my husband and charges him, my lord, with such a time when I'll depose I had him in my arms with all the effect of love. You say your husband? Why, just, my lord, and that is Angelo, who thinks he knows that he ne'er knew my body, but knows he thinks that he knows Isabel's. This is a strange abuse. Let's see thy face. My husband bids me. Now I will unmask. This is that face, thou cruel Angelo, which once thou sworest was worth looking on. This is the hand which with a vowed contract was fast be locked in thine. This is the body that took away the match from Isabel and did supply thee at thy garden house in her imagined person. Know you this woman? Carnally, she says. Sir, no more. Enough, my lord. My lord, I must confess I know this woman. And five years since there was some speech of marriage betwixt myself and her. 
which was broke off partly for that her promised proportions came short of composition, but in chief for that her reputation was disvalued in levity. Since which time of five years I never spake with her, saw her nor heard from her upon my faith and honor. Noble prince, as there comes light from heaven and words from breath, as there is sense in truth and truth in virtue, I am affianced this man's wife as strongly as words could make up vows. And my good lord, but Tuesday night, last gone in Garden's house, he knew me as a wife. As this is true, let me in safety raise me from my knees, or else forever be confixed here. A marble monument! I did but smile till now. Now, good my lord, give me the scope of justice. My patience here is touched. I do perceive that these poor and former women are no more but instruments of some more mightier member that sets them on. Let me have my way, my lord, to find this practice out. Ah, with my heart, and punish them to your height of pleasure, thou foolish friar, and thou pernicious woman, compact with her that's gone, thinkest thou thy oaths, though they would swear down each particular saint, where testimonies against this worth and credit. You, Lord Aeschylus, Sit with Angelo, let him your kind pains to find out this abuse. Once it's derived, there is another friar that set them on. Let him be sent for. Would he were here, my lord, for he indeed hath set the women on to this complaint. Your provost knows the place where he abides, and he may fetch him. Go do it instantly. And you, my noble and well-warranted Angelo, whom it concerns to hear this matter forth, do with your injuries as seems you best. I for a while will leave you, but stir not you till you have well determined upon these slanders. My lord, we'll do it thoroughly. Senor Lucio, did not you say you knew that Friar Lodovic to be a dishonest person? Cacullus non facit monacum, honest in nothing but his clothes, and one that hath spoke most villainous speeches We shall entreat you to abide here till he come and enforce them against him. We shall find this friar a notable fellow. As any in Vienna, on my word. Call that same Isabel here once again. I would speak with her. Pray you, my lord, give me leave to question. You shall see how I'll handle her. Not better than he, by her own report. Say you? Mary, sir, I think if you handled her private, she would sooner confess. Perchance publicly, she'll be ashamed. I will go darkly to work with her. That's the way. For women are light at midnight. Come on, mistress. Here's a gentlewoman denies all that you have said. My lord, here comes the rascal I spoke of. Here with the provost. In very good time, speak not you to him till we call upon you. Mum. Come, sir. Did you set these women on to slander Lord Angelo? They have confessed you did. Tis false. Know you where you are? Where's the Duke? Tis he should hear me speak. The Duke's in us, and we will hear you speak. Look, you speak justly. 
boldly at least, but oh, poor souls, come you to seek the lamb here of the fox? Is the duke gone? Then is your cause is gone too. This is the rascal. This is he I spoke of. Why thou unreverend and unhallowed friar, is not enough thou hast suborned these women to accuse this worthy man, but in foul mouth and in the witness of his proper ear to call him villain, and then to glance from him to the duke himself, to tax him with injustice? Take him hence, to the rack with him. We'll touse you joint by joint, but we will know his purpose. What unjust! Be not so hot. The Duke dare no more stretch his finger of mine than he dare rack his own. My business in this state make me a look on here in Vienna, where I have seen corruption boil and bubble till it or run the stool. Slander to the state. Away with him to prison. Signor Lucio, is this the man that you did tell us of? Tis he, my lord. Come hither, Goodman Baldpate. Do you know me? I remember you, sir, by the sound of your voice. I met you in the prison in the absence of the Duke. Oh, did you so? And do you remember what you said of the Duke? Most notably, sir. Do you so, sir? And was the Duke a fleshmonger, a fool, and a coward, as you then reported him to be? You must, sir, change persons with me, ere you make that my report. You indeed spoke so of him, and much more, much worse. Oh, thou damnable fellow! Did not I pluck thee by the nose for thy speeches? I protest I love the duke as I love myself. Hark how the villain would close now, after his treasonable abuses. Such a fellow is not to be talked with all. Where is the provost? Lay bolts enough upon him. Let him speak no more. Away with those giglots, too, and with the other confederate companion. Stay, sir, stay a while. What resistance? Uh, Help him, Lucio. Come, sir. Come, sir. Come, sir. Uh, sir! Why, you bald-pated, lying rascal, you must be hooded, must uh, be hooded. Show your knave's visage with the pox to you. Show your sheep-biting face and be hanged uh, in hour. Will it not... Oh, my God. Duke Vincentio. Thou art the first name that e'er made a duke. Sneak not away, sir, for the friar and you must have a word anon. Lay hold on him. This may prove worse than hanging. Aeschylus, what you have spoke, I pardon. Sit you down. Angelo, sir, by your leave, hast thou or word or wit or impudence that yet can do thee office? If thou hast, rely upon it till my tale be heard and hold no longer out. Oh, tread, my lord. I should be guiltier than my guiltiness to think that I could be undiscernible. When I perceive your grace like power divine hath looked upon my passes, then good prince, no longer such can hold upon my shame, but let my trial be mine own confession. Immediate sentence and then subsequent death is all the grace I beg. Come me hither, Mariana. Say what's thou ere contracted to this woman. I was, my lord. 
go take her hence and marry her instantly. Do you the office, friar, which consummate? Return him here again. Go with him, provost. My lord, I am more amazed at his dishonor than at the strangeness of it. Come hither, Isabel. Your friar is now your prince. Not changing heart with habit, I'm still attorney to at your service. Ooh, give me pardon that I, your vassal, have employed and pained your unknown sovereignty. You are pardoned, Isabel. And now, dear maid, be you as free to us. Your brother's death, I know, sits at your heart. And you may marvel why I obscured myself, laboring to save his life, and would not rather make rash demonstration of my hidden power than let him be so lost. Oh, most kind maid, it was the swift celerity of his death, which I did think with slower foot came on, that brained my purpose. But peace be with him. That life is better life, past fearing death, than that which lives to fear. Make it your comfort, so happy is your brother. I do, my lord. Dear Isabel, for this new married man, Angelo, approaching here, whose salt imagination yet hath wronged your well-defended honor, you must pardon for Mariana's sake. But as he adjudged your brother being criminal in double violation of sacred chastity and of promised breach, thereon dependent for your brother's life, the very mercy of the law cries out most audible, even from his proper tongue. And Angelo for Claudio, death for death, he still pays haste and leisure answers leisure. Like doth quit like and measure still for measure. Then, Angelo, thy faults thus manifested, which, though thou wouldst deny, denies the vantage. We do condemn thee to the very block where Claudio stood to death. Oh, my gracious lord, I hope you will not mock me with a husband. It is your husband's mocked you with a husband. For his possessions, although by confiscation they are ours, we do in state and widow you withal to buy you a better husband. Oh, my dear lord, I crave no other, nor no better man. Never crave him, we are definitive. Gentle, my liege. Away with him to death. Now, Sir Lucio, to you. Oh, my good lord. Sweet Isabel, take my part, lend me your knees, and all my life to come, I'll lend you all my life to do you service. Against all sense you do importuna, should she kneel down in mercy of this fact? Her brother's ghost has paved bed, would break and take her hence in horror. Isabel, sweet Isabel, do yet but kneel by me. Hold up your hand, say nothing. I'll speak all. They say best men are molded out of faults, and for the most become much more the better for being a little bad. So may my husband. Oh, Isabel, will you not lend a knee? 
He dies for Claudio's death. Most bounteous sir. Look, if it please you, on this man condemned as if my brother lived. I partly think a due sincerity governed his deed till he did look on me. Since it is so, let him not die. My brother had but justice in that he did the thing for which he died. Poor Angelo, his act did not o'ertake his bad intent, and must be buried but as an intent that perished by the way. Thoughts are no subjects. Intense, but merely thoughts. Merely, my lord. Your suits unprofitable stand up, I say. I have bethought me of another fault. Provost, how came it Claudio was beheaded at an unusual hour? It was commanded so. Had you a special warrant for the deed? No, my good lord, it was by private message. For which I do discharge you of your office. Give up your keys. Pardon me, noble lord. I thought it was a fault, but knew it not. Yet did repent me after more advice. For testimony whereof, one in the prison, that should by private order else have died, I have reserved alive. What's he? His name is Barnardine. I would thou hadst done so by Claudio. Go fetch him hither. Let me look upon him. I am sorry. One so learned and so wise as you, Lord Angelo, have still appeared should slip so grossly, both in the heat of blood and lack of tempered judgment afterward. I am sorry that such sorrow I procure, and so deep sticks in it my penitent heart that I crave death more willingly than mercy. Tis my deserving, and I do entreat it. What muffled fellow's that? This is another prisoner that I saved, who should have died when Claudio lost his head. As like almost to Claudio as himself. <gasps> Claudio! Isabella. <laughs> Isabella, if he be like your brother, for his sake is he pardoned. And for your lovely sake, give me your hand. And say you will be mine. He is my brother too. But fit a time for that. By this Lord Angelo perceives he's safe. Methinks I, I see a, a quickening in his eye. Well, Angelo, your evil quits you well. Look that your love, your wife, her worth, worth yours. I find an apprehension in myself. And yet, here's one in place I cannot pardon. You, Lucio, that knew me for a fool, a coward, one all of luxury, an ass, a madman. Where have I so deserved of you that you had stole me thus? Oh, this is our faith, my lord. I, I spoke it, but uh, according to the trick. <laughs> if you will hang me for it, you may. But... I had rather it would please you, I, I might be whipped. Whipped first, sir, and hanged after. Proclaim it, provost, round about the city. Is any woman wrong by this lewd fellow? As I have heard him swear himself, whom he begot with child, let her appear, and he shall marry her. The nuptial finished, 
Let him be whipped and hanged. Oh, I beseech your highness, do not marry me to a whore. Your highness said even now, I, I made you a duke. <laughs> good, good, my lord. Do, do not recompense me in making me a cuckold. Upon mine honor, thou shalt marry her. <laughs> thy slanders I forgive, and therewithal remit thy other forfeits. Marrying a punk, my lord, is pressing to death, whipping and hanging. Slanding a prince deserves it. She, Claudio, that you wronged, look you restore. Joy to you, Mariana. Love her, Angelo. I've confessed her and I, I know her virtue. Good friend, Aeschylus, for thy much goodness. There's more behind that is more graduate. Thanks, Provost, for thy care and secrecy. He shall employ thee in a worthier place. Forgive him, Angelo, that brought you home, the head of Ragazine for Claudio's. The offense pardons itself. Dear Isabel, I have a motion much import you good. Where to, if, if you're willing, ear inclined, what's mine is yours. How what is yours is mine. Oh. oh ooh. So bring us to our palace where we'll show what's yet behind that's meat you all should know. been listening to Measure for Measure, written by William Shakespeare, directed and adapted for radio by Jack Shalom. The cast, in order of appearance, Duke Vincentio, played by Julius Hollingsworth, Aeschylus, played by Rick Tooman, Angelo, played by Keyshawn Lucky, Friar Peter, played by Jack Shalom, Lucio, played by Hezekiah Corbin, Mistress Overdone, played by Pearl Schiffer, Pompey, played by Marty Levine. Claudio, played by Josh Miccio. The Provost, played by Joe Levine. Isabella, played by Mary Murphy. Sister Francesca, played by Linda Shalom. Juliet, played by Lisa Aaron. Mariana, played by Vivian Shalom. And Abhorsen the Executioner, played by Eve Sorrell. This is Jack Shalom for Free Will Theater Productions.